Back in 19, I think 1991, Gloria and I were going through, um, through Wales uh, and England. Uh, we uh, had been kicked out of the country of Greece. We were missionaries there, and uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but missionaries are not allowed uh, in Greece. Uh, so we were there. Um, I mean, we, we went. We didn't know we were doing something illegal, but we went uh, because we felt this is what we needed to do. But we were actually kicked out of the country, and so we decided to go to visit our friend in, Gre- uh, in England, a friend that I met in Greece uh, when I was single. So we went over to, to Wales and England, and we had a tour of the country. Jesse was only, I think, one years old. And uh, one of the things that we really love is we love to see old chapels, old cathedrals, uh, old churches. It's really quite exciting. We're, uh, Gloria and I both, uh, both love history, and we love the history behind these buildings. One of the things that I noticed that really startled me was a number of buildings that were actually no longer used as churches. They were turned into, uh, one place was turned into a store. Another church was turned into a house. I saw another church that was turned into uh, a, a garage, a place where you fix cars. It was really quite, quite shocking to see, you know, the beautiful spired windows, and, uh, and then there's a guy working on a car in this building where people once came to worship God. Uh, quite shocking. And, of course, the, the thing that, that came to my mind was, what, how did this happen? How is it that these buildings that once were filled with worship and praises to God are now, now have single families living in them? Some have mechanics fixing cars in them. Some are selling stuff. How did that happen? Well, first of all, before I go any further, let me just remind everybody of what the church really is. The church, in fact, is not a building. So I don't... I don't I mean, I'm sad to see a building that once was used as a place to worship God. I'm sad to see it no longer used for that purpose. But I'll tell you what's even more sad to me. What's, what's more sad to me is that at one time there were people who met on a regular basis to worship God and to fellowship. And my question is this. What happened to those people? And why are they no longer meeting together? Well, I, I hope to answer that question this morning. I hope that we will begin to understand what makes, what makes the church and why do people stop attending church and why should you bother coming to church every Sunday? Some of you maybe woke up this morning thinking to yourself, well, should I or shouldn't I? It was sort of a 50-50 proposition. And, uh, and for whatever reason, you decided, yeah, I better show up. I better come to church. And so here you are. Well, I'm going to tell you this this morning. Going to church every week is absolutely one of the fundamental habits or disciplines of the Christian life. Last week we talked about habits and disciplines, and uh, we, we said that every time you establish a new, a new habit, or when you repeat a certain action, repeat um, certain words, or repeat certain attitude, that what happens is that you're, you actually experience a physiological change. Your brain actually changes, and you develop uh, new pathways, new routes, new, new trenches, if you will, because that's what the neurologists call it. And you, you change. And we said it takes between 20 and 40 days to establish a new discipline or a new habit. So through repeated thoughts, um, they become not just... Uh, brain grooves, new brain grooves, but become 
they become deeds that you repeat on a regular basis, repeated deeds that end up becoming concrete routines. And so what I'm saying to you today is that going to church every Sunday without fail needs to become one of the concrete routines in your life, and you're going to find out why in just a moment. But look what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian believers about establishing these disciplines or these habits. He says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Read this with me. But we are disciplined in our training for an eternal prize. Now, you remember I said some weeks back that my job as your shepherd, as your pastor, is to make sure that my sheep get safely home. Everybody understands I'm an under-shepherd. I'm not the owner of the sheep. Everybody knows that? I'm not the owner of the sheep. I am, I've been called by the great shepherd, by the, the good shepherd, to shepherd his sheep. And so my job, and I'm going to have to give an account to the good shepherd someday on, in terms of how I did and what I did to make sure you all got safely home. My job is to make sure that you are taught the disciplines and taught the, the habits that you need to know in order to get you safely home. Remember what we said? Um, we said that the, the road to destruction is, is wide, but the road to eternal life is narrow, and only a few find it. So my question is this, are you the few, are you the many? My prayer this morning is that everybody here could be counted among the few. Actually, in fact, I actually thought of calling this series The Seven Habits of the few. And I, and I pray that everybody here could be counted among the few. Sadly, there are some here this morning who will not be among the few. I don't, I, I don't know who you are, but um, I pray, I pray that today would be a turning point for you. Now, here's the thing. Jesus does not just call us to change our habits. He calls us to establish new ones. Remember what we said last week and the week before? We don't, we don't call you here to try to change your bad habits. In fact, I will never talk to you about your bad habits. What I will talk to you about, however, are establishing new habits. Because the fact of the matter is, is that you will have a very difficult time in your life changing your bad habits. In fact, you'll have a hard time just changing this is why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 says, be transformed how? By changing your habits. No, he didn't say that. By, renewing, by the renewing of your mind. In other words, what he's saying is you need to change your habits so that you can become a new creation. You can become a new creature. You can change who you are. All the talk in the world and all the pep talks and all the motivational speaking in the world to try to convince you to change your bad habits to new good habits is not going to work. What I need to do is help you just establish new habits. And look, well, look to, this is what will happen. As you establish those brand new habits, these, these seven habits that we're talking about specifically, your bad habits will fade away. And I've seen this over and over again. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he says, when you become a Christian, you are a brand new Creation. You're a brand new creature with brand new habits. You do new things. You don't do what you used to do. I'm telling you, that's the gospel, folks. Because I can tell you, uh, I mean, there's nothing more difficult, nothing more uh, discouraging than trying to change bad habits. 
you win it, then you lose, you're up, you're down, you, 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 you do well, and then you don't do well, and next thing you know, you're off the bandwagon, you're starting over again, and you think, how many more times do I have to start over? How many more times do I have to lick this bad habit? And God says, stop trying to lick the bad habits. Here's what you need to do, is you need to establish new habits. And so last week we said the most important habit of all is a habit of having a daily walk with God. And I hope that you have begun that process, that you've, you've disciplined yourself, you've forced yourself to have a daily time with God. Well, the second habit you absolutely must have is this habit of going to church and never missing. You say, Pastor, like really? Like never missing? Here's what, here's what um, uh, a lot of ecclesiologists are saying. They're saying this, that, that if people attend church two to three times a month, that's good enough, or that's pretty much the norm. And I'm telling you this, if I smoke once or twice a month or three times a month, is that okay? If I lick the habit, have I got a new habit? No, I've still got an old habit. The fact of the matter is, is that you're not totally transformed until you actually have a new habit where you can actually say, this is the new way that I live. This is the new way that I function. And so I want to talk to you about how Jesus Christ calls us to live. Now look at this scripture verse in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verses 24 to 52. And by the way, all, all our Sunday school teachers need to, to teach this to their children. And here's what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Anybody ever ride a horse? Anybody ever have spurs on their boots? You dig that spur and man, that horse goes. Um, that's why I don't use spurs <laughs> if I'm riding a horse. It's, just, it's, it's enough to get me on one. That's that's for sure. But the idea that you can, actually, you can actually get motion, you can actually get moving by just having, having that spur dug into your side. Well, that's basically what happens when you get together with believers. We're spurring each other on. We're encouraging each other. We are, when we come together, we're encouraging one another to, to do better and to be better. But it goes on. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so here's the thing. You're either in the habit of not going to church or you're in the habit of attending occasionally or sporadically or you're in the habit of attending every week no matter what. We've raised our kids to attend church no matter what. And there's times when Sarah has come to church, and by the time she comes through those doors, she's saying, Dad, I'm not feeling well, and she's, she's got she's to be on my couch and have a nap in there because we're not taking her home. Uh, we're, that, we're that religious about it. It's a habit. We, we recognize raising our kids that the most important thing we can do for our kids is to make sure they're in church every Sunday, whether they feel like it or not, whether they're, whether they're 100% or not, it doesn't matter. You're coming to church. And now it's become part of the routine. It's, it's who they are, it's what they do. In fact, my, our family, our kids love going to church. They love, they love being in church. They love the connection with other believers. So let me ask this question. Why are people not in the habit of going to church? Why do people stay home? Why do you stay home? Why aren't you always in church? Well, because it's a habit. Because it's your habit to do what you're doing. You can't say today to me that, well, you know, Pastor, um, 
you know, I want to come to church and I, I, I should get to church. I really should be in church more often. Uh, and, then, and then you're going to come up with your excuse, whatever it is. But I'm going to tell you this. Going to church or not going to church is simply a habit. And if you're not attending church on a regular basis, then here's the thing. That's your established habit. That's what you've decided to do with your life. Now, no, can, I, can I just say this before we go any further? <laughs> We're not in the condemning business. We don't condemn anybody here. We're not judging anybody here. I'm not making, trying to make anybody feel bad this morning. I'm simply trying to help everybody recognize that there's a habit that you need to establish, whether or not you have that habit or not. You need to be in the habit of going to church. Now, here's what I've discovered. If people miss three consecutive Sundays, then there's, here's what usually happens. They usually quit attending altogether, or they start attending sporadically. Now, why is that? Why, after three Sundays, do people quit, quit attending church, or why do they start attending sporadically thereafter? Well, I'll tell you, because it takes 20 to 40 days to establish a habit. So when you've missed church for three Sundays in a row, you've now established a new habit of not going to church. Now, here's what I've discovered. For those who, who all of a sudden get in the habit of not going to church, it starts off a cycle. It sets off a cycle, and here's the cycle. They stay away for a while, two to three weeks, and then they feel the second step in the cycle is they, they feel ashamed, they feel condemned, they feel afraid, they feel stupid, they feel disconnected. They have their own little thing going on in their head. The rest of the church, we just love you no matter what, whether you attend or not, but in your head, you think everybody is going to condemn you, everybody will notice, everybody will be asking you questions, and so it's easier to not show up than to show up and then have people ask questions. It's easier to stay away than to show up and, and feel strange. Well, can I just say this to everybody? If you're one of those people today that has that feeling, oh, well, what will people say? What are people thinking? Are people thinking badly of me? Listen, I'm going to say this. Nobody's thinking badly of you. We're just glad you're here. Way to go. I'm glad you showed up. Now, look it. We are all in the business right now of trying to establish new habits in our lives. So if we're trying to establish new habits in our lives, then guess what? This, again, this is for all of us. If we're trying to establish new habits in our lives, then we're going to be giving lots of grace to one another. Amen? Amen? Nobody's judging anybody. Nobody's condemning each other. But what are we doing? We are spurring each other on. We are encouraging each other. So this is not a place where you get condemned. This is a place where you get encouraged to establish these new habits. So then you, you stay away for a while, then you start feeling ashamed, condemned, stupid, disconnected, whatever. Then thirdly, you forget about the good friendships that you have in church because you know that relationships are maintained through regular and constant dialogue and connection. So you forget about the great relationships. And the next thing you have happen is that... Um, you, you start letting down your responsibilities. You have responsibilities in the church. Everybody who wants to follow God and serve and be a Christian must serve somehow. And by the way, that's one of the habits that we'll be talking about. So you've let down your responsibilities and now you don't need, you don't really need to be in church because somebody else is filling in for you. And then the next thing that happens is that you form a new habit of not going to church. And then from then you... The next step in that cycle is you begin to rationalize, well, I don't really need to go to church to be a Christian, do I? I don't really need to go. I could can, I can stay home and watch Joel Osteen. 
or I can watch Charles Stanley or John MacArthur or whoever it is that you like to listen to. And, you know, as long as I'm hearing the Word of God, that's all that matters, right? Wrong. And then the next step is something bad happens or something good happens, and then suddenly you realize, hey, I better get back to church. I really need to reconnect. But then you're thinking, now, if I go back, people are going to wonder where I was. They're going to wonder, think I've backslidden, that I'm a bad person. And so then you, have to, you go through this, this process of trying to figure out, well, where should I go? Should I go back to my church or should I go to another church and, and try to start fresh? And then you have the struggle where you need to get reacquainted and you need to start new relationships all over again. It's a horrible cycle, folks. Now listen to me. I want, I want to encourage you with this. Listen, I want to get, let's get rid of these nine, nine steps in the cycle. Look at Come to church. If you miss for whatever reason, you slept in, you know, you, you had too much pizza the night before and you just can't roll out of bed, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the dog had, the, had diarrhea and vomiting and messed the house up, whatever. You had to stay home to clean it up. The, the dog ate your homework, you know, that sort of thing. Whatever. Look at, look at, can I just plead with you? Just come back to church. When you, when you can work yourself up to it, get back to church. If you're struggling with maintaining the habit of attending church, then, then you know, phone me or email me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm really struggling with this habit. Here, here's what I want to do this morning, is I want to eliminate all sense of condemnation, all sense of shame, all sense of, uh, of you know, that feeling of letting somebody down. Look at, look at, look at. Just come to church. Nobody's going to condemn you. Nobody's going to judge you. Because listen, we're all trying to establish these habits together. Amen? Amen? So don't stay away from church. Establish a new habit and work hard on it. Here's another reason why people uh, don't go to church, why they're in the habit of not going to church. Um, they just don't think it's important. Now, I'm going to tell you, those of you who don't think going to church, or those of you who think going to church is not important, then I'm going to tell you, you're totally ignorant of the scripture. You don't really know what God wants of you. In Luke 4, 16, we discover that even Jesus went to church every Sunday, but in his case, it was Saturday. In, in Luke 4, 16, it says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture. Now, in the Greek, it says, as it was his custom, eothos, it's something that he did on a regular basis. It was definitely his discipline. It was definitely his habit. Now listen, if even Jesus went to church, you say, well, Jesus didn't go to church. There was no such thing as church back then. Well, can I just remind everybody what church means? It means the gathering of people. Even Jesus went and joined in with the gathering of the believers, of God's people. If even Jesus had to do that, what made you think you didn't have to do that? You need to. I'm going to tell you, there's a movement right now that is really, really anti-church. And guess what? It's a, it's a movement that's not among unbelievers, but it's among the believers. Here's what one blogger says. He says, while there may be some people who are leaving institutional Christianity because they are rebelling against God or forsaking Jesus, the vast majority are leaving church so that they can better follow Jesus into the world. Isn't this something to be praised and encouraged? No. It is so utterly and totally against New Testament theology, New Testament teaching. You need to be in church. 
Has the church made mistakes? Whew. Terrible mistakes. Has the church let people down? Yeah. Has Pastor Allen let people down? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I could give you a long, long list. And some of you could, too. <laughs> yeah, but hey, listen, listen. I'm not Jesus. I'm, I'm do- doing my job to the best of my ability. In fact, the Bible says that we are a body. We're, and we're called to serve one another. We're called to function together as a team. So many people have a, a Christian routine and Christian beliefs that in no way reflect New, Christian, New Testament Christianity. My job as your pastor is to teach you what the Lord requires of you. And I'm going to tell you this today. Going to church every Sunday without fail. You have to go without fail. This is a thing that's going to be transformational in your life. So some people think that going to church is not important. Some people think that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now listen, to become a Christian, you have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, as your King. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than me living in the garage makes me a vehicle or a car. What makes me a Christian is that I put my faith in Christ. But listen, what what keeps me a Christian, what maintains my Christian walk is faithfully attending church. God's plan when you were born again was that you became part of a family. A Christian without a church is, is an orphan. You need a church. You need a church for you to grow, a place for you to be developed, a place for you to become what God wants you to become. So this family that we call Cross Church, it's a highly functioning, loving family where you are called to be a part of it and to be nurtured and to grow. I debated whether I would say anything about this or not, but I'm going to. I don't know if I'll do it for the second service, but I'm going to do it for this service. I got a real problem with TV ministry. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, it's because TV ministry siphons money off the local church. Well, that's one of the reasons for sure. But I'm going to tell you this. TV church has done more to damage the church in North America than just about anything I can think of. Now, that comes as a shock to you because many of you actually watch Christian programming on TV. Okay, look, don't anybody blow a gasket here on me. But I want you to stop and think about this. This TV ministry, radio ministry, is a relatively new idea. It's just been introduced uh, not even in the last 100, less than 100 years. It's all relatively new, so really since the 19, I guess, 19, late 40s. It's a brand new idea. And guess what? Listen, people think that they stay home and watch TV. That's good enough. I'm going to tell you, it's not good enough. It's totally contrary to what the Lord wants for you and for your life. Here's when I first became aware that something was not right with us. I wasn't able to articulate it because I wasn't old enough. and I wasn't developed enough. I didn't know the scripture well enough. But I remember as a boy going to visit my Aunt Maud. And my brother and my mom are here. They'll remember this. We used to go to visit our Aunt Maud, who was in a senior citizen's home in St. Norbert. And we would visit oftentimes after church on Sunday. When we would arrive, she would be watching Rex Humbard of the Cathedral of Tomorrow. Anybody remember that? That goes back a long, long time. And she, she would say, this is, this is my church because I can't get to church. 
Now, you know, I was, I was rejoicing that she actually had the opportunity to worship God and to hear a sermon, et cetera, et cetera. But, but here's, here's the reality of it. That actually did become a substitute for the real thing. And this is what happens repeatedly, not just to people who are shut in, but to people who just got out of the habit of going to church. So rather than being visited by people from her church and having that connection where she had the fellowship that God wants us to have when we are a believer, she was all alone, just her and her TV for one hour a week. And I'm going to tell you this, folks. That is no substitute for what God wants for you. God wants you to be in church. He wants you to discover all that you need to have in the in your local church and that's what the next five habits are going to be about you need to be in church here's what happens when you go to church um, actually a few years ago I heard a TED talk uh, by uh, Susan Cain who has since then written a book called Quiet this is the title of the book it's called Quiet the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking not good those of you who are introverts, you're going to appreciate this. But basically, she's going on to talk about how the world tends to value or favor the extrovert over the introvert almost every time. Susan Cain, in her book, she's trying to explain to you why introverts are also important. The extroverts are not the only important people in the world. In the course of the book, she describes she explains or she describes what the characteristics are of the introvert. And one of those characteristics is this. Introverts are recharged by being alone. They have their batteries recharged. They, they need to be alone and then they feel, they feel good. In fact, for, uh, for an introvert, if they're invited to a party and then for some reason that party has to be canceled, they're the other ones going, yay, I don't have to go. Okay, so I'm speaking to the extroverts, but especially to the introverts today, because the introverts will be the ones who are most apt to want to stay home and not go to church, because for whatever reason, they feel I can't face the crowd, I can't face people. There's a lot of people that have, have social anxiety. When they come together with other people, they feel uh, stressed out for whatever reason, and some of you are like that here today. So why go to church? Why, what could be more important than being alone and being recharged? I'll tell you what could be more important. First of all, when you go to church, here's the first thing that happens. You get a chance to serve God and serve God's people. Did everybody notice these people who come ushering every Sunday morning? Those who played in the band, those who in the sound booth? You've come and you have the privilege and the opportunity to serve God and to serve others. Now, what you need to understand is this. When you are serving God and when you're serving others, guess what? It's at that moment you are the most like Jesus Christ. It's at that moment where something, listen to this, something supernatural happens. Something happens in your life, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, that will not happen outside of these doors. Yes, you can serve God outside the doors of the church, but something special happens here. Guess what it is, folks? Remember I told you about the metaphors that describe the church, that help us understand the church? The body is one of the metaphors. We're a body, and each one of us is a member. When you come to church and you get to serve, you are doing your job within the body. And my friends, listen to me. This is when we are healthiest, when each of us is doing what we're called to do in terms of service. That's one of the habits which I'm not going to expound on. We'll talk about it another day. 
Here's another habit that we'll be talking about. It's the habit of fellowship or small groups, of connecting with other people. The word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia. This word is used 19 times in the New Testament. It's a new word, not used in the Old Testament. But it describes what happens when brothers and sisters get together and connect with each other. So every time you come to church, here's the amazing thing that happens, folks. When you are here experiencing koinonia, again, folks, this is something supernatural. It's not anything you can get anywhere else but in the church. You can't get it in front of your television. I don't care how good the speaker is and how many doctorates and degrees and how many seminaries he's attended. This koinonia thing I'm talking about is something you can only get here when you come to church. This connection. It's here that you will get the word of encouragement. It's here that you'll get a handshake, a hug. It's here that somebody will pray for you if you have a need. It's here that you will feel that you belong. And you remember me saying some weeks back that one of the very basic human needs is actually to belong. When people no longer feel that they belong, they lose the will to live. It's a, it's a, proven, it's a proven fact. Sociologists, psychologists have done numerous studies on that one, on that one subject, the subject of belonging. Guess what, folks? What sociologists and psychologists are just discovering now? God's been talking about for centuries and centuries. Here's the a, here's a, here's a next thing that happens when you come to church. You get a chance to worship. Now you say, well, I worship at home. I can put on my CDs. I raise my hands. You put my, I put my, uh, my headset in, and I go for a walk, and I worship God as I'm, as, I, as I'm driving, as I'm walking, as I'm running, as I'm at the gym. I'm having a great time of worship. I don't have to come to church to worship. Yes, you do. And I'll tell you why. Because it's when you come to this place and you are connected with other people, suddenly, again, something mysterious happens. Something supernatural happens. Suddenly, you enter into this this special relationship that only believers have, where you come together to worship your God. You come here. And here's what happens. Something that is not controlled by you, something that is, is led by somebody else. In our case this morning, it was Jarrell and his band. He led us in worship. You had no control over the songs he picked. You had no control over how he led the worship, but he led the worship. Now, you need to understand this this morning. This is the reason you come to church. You came and you said, God, do your thing here this morning. Do something special in my heart and in my life. And two cool things happen when you worship God. First of all, you are reminded that God's in charge. You are reminded that God is sovereign, that he's in control, that you're not in control. Now, I'm going to tell you, the biggest struggle that most believers have is that they're worried about their circumstances. Am I right? About your job, about your family, about your marriage, about your retirement savings, about your house, your car, your health. You're worried. 
When you come to church, here's what happens. You get together with other believers who have this, exactly the same sort of issues that you have, and together we join together around the throne of God and we worship him, acknowledging and recognizing that he is sovereign, that he's in charge. And those worries that you came to church with, suddenly they're washed away as you're reminded that your faith is all about trusting your God. The second thing that happens when you worship is that you are reminded that you're part of an eternal family. Now, can I tell you, the two things that people are going to struggle with are your day-to-day worries and the second thing are your relationships. When you come to God and worship God, God deals with those two struggles that all of us have. And you're reminded, first of all, that God loves you. He's not mad at you. He does not condemn you. He invites you to come to him and get reestablished and and, and repent and turn your life around and get, get right with him. And the second thing that happens is that you're reminded you're not alone. You belong. I can tell you after church Sunday mornings, it's... I feel so recharged. People come and they give me big hugs and tell me they love me, they appreciate me, and I try to do the same thing for those people who come to church. I know some of you don't like to be hugged, so those of you who don't like to be hugged, I'll just do this, you know, and God be with you and bless you and maybe throw a little bit of holy water at you, I don't know. That's, that's, the, that's the third cool thing. But here's the most important thing I want to share with you this morning in the time left to me. When you come to church, God has a divine word for you. Now, I'm going to tell you, you could sit home and listen to TV, and, you know, there'll be good, cool things that are being spoken, okay? But listen, here's, here's what you've got to get, because this is critical. Please don't miss this. When you come to church, something supernatural happens. God shows up and speaks through his prophet. You say, well, who's the prophet? Oh, that would be me. I am the prophet of God. Now, that sounds, uh, that sounds really maybe presumptuous, you might think. It's not. What is a prophet? A prophet is somebody who speaks forth God's word. Now, here's what you need to understand. When you come to church, God has a special, special message for you in the context of this family that you're not going to get anywhere else. Did you hear that? Every time you come through these doors, God has got a special word for you, a special message just for you. And if you don't show up to church on Sunday, you miss that word. You miss that special prophetic word for you. Do you know how many times people have said to me, Pastor Alan, I just feel like that, that word was for me, that sermon was for me. I can't even tell you how many times people have said that to me. In fact, I've had people angry because they think that somebody told me about their situation. <laughs> and angry. So I had people quit the church because they thought, Pastor Alan, you have been gossiping. You've been listening to gossip about me and you, you addressed my situation from the pulpit. Can I just tell everybody this? If somebody tells me something about somebody, then I try purposefully not to go there, not to, go, not to touch base on that, not to address that issue. But I'm going to tell you, if you come to church on Sunday morning and your heart's open to listen to what God's got to say, here's what I'm going to guarantee you. God has a special word just for you. And you're not going to get that anywhere else. I'll tell you why. 
Because God always speaks to his people. I'll I'll tell you more about that in just a second, but let me say this. Do you know there's people who read their horoscopes every week, every, every day? Please, if you're reading your horoscope, can I remind you that that really is not acceptable to God? Don't read that. That's, that's actually in the realm of witchcraft, and you don't, don't go there, don't do that. If you're getting your tea leaves read somewhere, don't do that. If you're going to see a tarot card reader, a tarot card reader don't do that. It's all very demonic. Some people who even pay money to consult with mediums. Don't do that. I'll tell you why. Because God has got a word for you. And God's word for you is not found in a horoscope with a medium or with a tarot card reader. It's found in the house of God, in church. This is the place where God will speak to you. So when you sit down on Sunday morning... Prepare to hear the word of God. I want you to do this. I want you to say, God, please speak to me this morning and show me what it is that you want me to know. And I'm going to guarantee you that God will have a word for you. Now, I said before that God uses metaphors to describe or to help us understand the church. We talk about the, the, it's, the, the church is described as a body. It's described as a holy temple, a living temple. It's described as the bride of Christ. It's described as a body. It's described as a family. Family is my favorite, my favorite expression of the church, and I'll tell you why. Well, the best way to help you understand this is to look to the New Testament, and here's what you'll discover. A lot of people don't know this, and this is why you've got to come to church, because you're going to hear all kinds of things you never heard before. Do you know that encoded in the New Testament prayer, the Lord's Prayer, how many have heard of the Lord's Prayer? Encoded in that prayer is everything that you need to know about what God wants for your life and for Christian living. Did you know that? If you memorize that Lord's Prayer and begin to meditate on it, and begin to chew on it, here's what you'll discover. You'll discover that in that Lord's Prayer are all the practical things you need to know about the Christian life. Now, the most important thing that you'll discover encoded in that prayer is the special relationship that we have with God and the special relationship we have with one another. Remember, Jesus says to pray what? Our Father. Now, can I just say this? This is a brand new idea, never known to mankind up until this very moment when Jesus teaches the prayer. He says, pray our Father. So suddenly, we discover that our relationship to God is more than just, you know, God, the, the angry God who's ready to, to, to wreak havoc on his people. But he's a father. and There's a loving relationship there. The next thing we discover is that because he's our father, it means that we are part of a family. Now, you've got to get this. It's critical. If you don't understand this, you won't understand the purpose of church. You won't understand why you need to get up every morning, every Sunday morning and get to church. You discover that we are a family. And this is why when Jesus teaches us to pray, here's what he teaches us to pray. pray. We pray what? Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then what? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. See the relationship there, folks? 
And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now here's what you gotta know. God deals with his people before he ever deals with a person. You gotta get this. Because North America, especially in, Amer- in, in, in the USA, we have this North American rugged individualism where we feel, you know, it's, it's me. I gotta look out for me, I gotta stand up for me, I gotta fight for my battles, it's all about me, me, me. Can I just tell you something? For those of you who've, who have just immigrated to Canada or maybe the last 20 years, here's what you know, that this rugged individualism is, is almost exclusively a, a North American ethic. It's not, not the way the rest of the world functions. It's not the West, rest, way the rest of the world operates. And it's certainly not the way that the world operated in Jesus' time. You see, we have this idea that it's all about me and God deals with me. But here's, here's what you need to know. God does not deal with you alone. Is that a shock to some of you? God deals with us. God speaks to us. It's not me, but we. If you don't understand that, then you cannot understand your Bible. You cannot understand God's dealing with his people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is why you have to be in church, and that's why you have to be in your own church. You see, Pastor Allen, this sermon seems very self-serving. This works out really good for you if everybody does what you say. Listen, it's not about me. Remember, I'm the under-shepherd. My job is to get you safely home. And here's what I know. The way that I'm going to get you safely home is by making sure that I do everything that I can to encourage you to be in your own church so God can speak to us. Because when you don't show up, we all hurt. We're all affected by the fact that you haven't shown up. Now again, I'm not condemning. Don't come out of, go out of here saying, Pastor Ellen's beating us up today. I'm not. What I'm trying to do is say, how can we be healthy? How can we be strong as believers? And the way that you're going to be strong as a believer is by making sure that you're in the house of God. Now, Christian, the Christian faith meets our most basic need, and that's the need to belong. Sometimes we call it community. By the way, the word community is a great buzzword these days. You hear it everywhere. Everybody's talking about having to establish community. Can I just tell you something? This is not a new idea. This is an Old Testament and a New Testament idea. God deals with us. He speaks to us. He deals with us. You can't do your Christianity alone. Yes, you have your daily walk with God, but you have your daily walk with God in the context of the family. It's a mystery. I don't fully understand what I'm saying this morning, which is kind of a, not the thing you want to admit when you're, the, when you're the pastor, when you're the preacher, but it's a mystery. It's a glorious mystery. In fact, here's the thing, folks. What you don't understand is what we experience here every Sunday is a taste of what heaven's going to be like. Now, some people have this idea that heaven's all about clouds and harps and golden streets. Uh, You know, if that's part of it, maybe. But here's what you need to know. Is that at the very core of what happens in heaven will be relationship, will be us. And what, what you don't know is what's happening here on earth now is preparation for what's to come. 
No, this, this relationship that we're going to be experiencing in heaven, the relationships with each other, it's so deep, it's so profound, I can't get my brain around it. But I know this. I know this, that it will be the most satisfying, the most glorified uh, experience uh, that any of us could ever, ever have, and, and we can't imagine how wonderful it will be. You will have a sense of contentment and a satisfaction, the very core of your being, unlike anything that you've ever experienced here. More satisfying than the most powerful drugs, the most powerful experiences, the most powerful hobby, the most wonderful thing that you like to do, more, far more powerful than that, is what will happen in heaven. And folks, it's based on what? On relationship. This is what church is about. You come to church on Sunday, and you have a taste of heaven. You have a, a sense of satisfaction, a sense of joy, because God has spoken to us, and God has met with us in a way that you can't get it unless you come to church. You can't come to church and not experience the presence of God in a very special way. When one of my family members started attending church recently, he said to me, man, I just feel this, the presence of God here. I said, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? That's what happens when we get together in the name of Jesus. In fact, Jesus said that. When two or more are gathered together in my name, what happens? There he is in the midst of us. He's here. He's here right now. And it can happen when you're alone. Like it can when we're all together. Now, does God meet you when you're alone? Of course he does. But it's different. It's not the same as what happens when we're together. Church is a source of God's grace. And every time you show up to church, God will have something for you. Can you imagine for a moment, and I'll close with this, can you imagine for a moment if, if, uh, if we handed out $100 bills every Sunday? <laughs> I mean, people would be coming from all over the city to, to bash our doors down so they could get in here and get their 100 bucks. And, and you know, I'd be smart enough to hand it out at the end of the service. Here's, here's what people don't realize. There's something far better than 100 bucks that you're going to get when you come to church on Sunday. What you're going to get is the grace of God. Did you hear that? You're going to get grace for your life. You're going to get something for your life that will serve you far better than 100 bucks will. Every Sunday, people, every Sunday you come to church, every Sunday you show up for church, and God's grace is waiting for you. In some cases, that actually is in the form of a $100 bill. That happened to Gloria and I when we first came to the church. It was a very small church, and we just, you know, we're eking out a living, and somebody would give us a Pentecostal handshake. And if you don't know what that is, it's a handshake with, with money in it. Don't get them anymore. I mean, that's fine, by the way. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> listen. When you come to church on Sunday, God's here waiting for you to give something to you. And if you don't come to church on Sunday, you're going to miss out, and you'll never be able to get that thing that he had for you. It's something special. This is why you can't miss. You say, Pastor, I don't know about that. Yeah? Has anybody ever read the Revelation? Revelation 1 to 3? Jesus is addressing not individuals, he's addressing churches. Jesus speaks to churches. 
And what you don't know is that in heaven, God knows all about Cross Church, and the angels know all about Cross Church. And God knows that when Cross Church meets, he's here to hand out some special grace to his people here. Let me close with this. This is, this is going to sound strange to you. But it, it hasn't been really until probably the last 10 years that I fully, fully began to appreciate and understand the power of the church and God's plan and will for his church. Because there's so many parachurch organizations, organizations that exist outside of the church that run alongside of the church. And here's what I know, folks. God does his work in this earth, in this world, through the church. And God speaks to his people through his church. My dad told me recently that I started attending church at age two. I didn't know that. Here's when I felt we started attending church. It's when we started attending every single week. That's when I began to be aware of church, and that's when it began to make a difference in my life. And here's what I can tell you. That nothing has shaped me, and nothing has developed me, and nothing has been more important to me and more significant in terms of my spiritual development than the day that our family started attending church every Sunday. It was then that I began to worship and began to experience the joy of worshiping. It was then that I began to experience the joy of praying together with other believers. It was then that I began to serve God, teaching Sunday school with my mom at age 14 and on my own by 15. It was then that I began to hear the word of the Lord that transformed me. I'm going to tell you, God's will is that you attend church every Sunday without fail. Let's stand together and pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence here. And thank you, God, for what you have spoken into our hearts. Lord, give us the grace and the wisdom to recognize your will and your plan for our Christian development and growth. And that includes being in church every Sunday. So God, give us the strength, give us the grace to develop this habit, knowing, Lord, that as we are learning and as we're growing and as we're developing these new habits, there's a church here that loves us and stands with us to encourage us, not to condemn us or judge us when we make mistakes or get it wrong or fail or drop the ball, but God, we're, we belong to a fellowship where every one of us is trying to establish these good and healthy habits. So God, transform us and give us the grace to do what you've called us to do because you love us and because you want to speak to us and because you've got something for us here every week that we're not going to get anywhere else. So God, we commit ourselves to you now, giving you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said it?